speak, talk a little bit together about prayer today as we think about it and we just sung about one of the reasons we struggle a great deal in our lives is because we don't take things to God in prayer. We don't spend time in prayer the way that we ought to. We, prayer probably is one of the most misunderstood things that we do in the church and as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's something that we don't use as we should, we abuse the idea of it, we get frustrated with it, it's just something that continually uh, is there for us as we look at it and as we try to understand it and to deal with it the way God wants us to. You'll remember the prophet Isaiah told, uh, as God was speaking through him and he told the people of Israel that there would be a time in which he would draw all people, talking not just the Jews, but all people, to a place because his house would be a place of prayer for all people. For anyone and everyone that they might know that. And then you'll remember in Matthew 21 when Jesus cleared the temple and told them that they had changed the temple into a den of thieves rather than into the house of prayer that it was supposed to be. And so as we come to that in understanding, we, we want to understand together that prayer is something that God throughout his word has used through God's people to make a difference in the world in which we live. It makes a difference in the person praying. And it makes a difference in the activities and the events of the world in which we're a part of. And so we need to understand it. It needs to be a, a part of who we are and it's a part of what we're going to. I want to read just a couple of verses this morning. There are so many that we could pick from and look at, but I'm just going to read a couple this morning, one from Ephesians and one from Colossians, as we look and understand those and try to realize what we're talking about. And then I want to spend a few moments talking about some of the excuses that we use as to why we don't pray but then look more specifically at the power that is ours in prayer, what we could do if we really learned how and practiced prayer as God chooses for us to and and gives us the ability to do if we would just trust him. But first of all, I want to read out of the book of Ephesians and then out of the book of Colossians. And so if you'll stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word this morning, in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 18, the scripture says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with perseverance and petition for all saints. And then similar words are found in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 when the scripture says there, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for me, because Paul knew understood how great the need was for prayer in his own life as he looked at that. Would you join with me as we pray together? Father, this morning, as we think together about prayer and the power of prayer and the significance of prayer, and Father, the fact that so many times we, we just don't really seem to understand it, or maybe through the experiences of our lives, we've uh, just kind of begun to believe maybe that prayer doesn't really make that much of a difference, it's just not that important. Whatever the reasons may be, we become less and less interested, and we practice less and less the power of prayer and the practice of prayer as we come. But Father, your word has taught us from the Old Testament through the New Testament that you act through prayer, that you work through prayer, that you make a difference through prayer. And we need to know that and understand that and and see it and and allow it to have a part in our lives as your people. The church of God, the people of God are to be a people of prayer. And Father, I just pray that you would help just remind us of the things that we already know this morning and take them maybe to a little bit deeper level. Give us, maybe some of us need to be convicted of our lack of prayer or our lack of faith in prayer, whatever it may be. But Father, just use these moments that we have together to truly help us understand a little bit more about this great gift that you've given us by the ministry of prayer that we can join our hearts with yours and just pray for your will, your purpose to be accomplished here on this earth through your people. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you again for 
allowing them to be a part of this time. And as we, as we think about prayer, there's a lot of reasons I think that we don't pray, a lot, or at least, at least excuses, I should say, that we don't pray. I don't know that any of them are really legitimate excuses, but we use them a, a lot. The first and foremost reason we don't pray is just that we don't pray. We just choose not to. It's a real easy, simple thing. It doesn't have to take anything. We don't pray because we just don't want to. We just don't pray. But if we get past that aspect and we think about what are some of the reasons we don't pray and we think about those and talk about it and as we look at it, some of us use the excuse that we don't pray because we don't have time to pray. We're so busy in our lives. We've got so many things going on. We've got this and that and every activity happening all the time. It's so much demands on our time that we just don't have time to pray. And we, we talk about that all the time. But you and I need to understand that we have all the time in the world that we need to pray. It's just a matter of priority. It's just a matter of whether we decide we want to give time to prayer or not. We have the time to pray. It's just that we don't always use the time of our day rightly in the things that we do. And so we find ourselves, if we're going to eliminate things in our life, if we're going to say some things don't matter anymore, one of the things that we'll eliminate very quickly is prayer. It's one of the things we eliminate quickly when we think about church. When we've got too many things going on, one of the things we decide is we don't need church. We do the same thing with prayer. We just don't need it. And we don't have time for it, and so I'll eliminate it from my life, and I won't have to mess with it anymore. The reason we do that, I think, is because we don't always believe in the power of prayer. We're not sure that it really matters if we pray. Does it really make any difference if we pray? Does it change anything if we pray? Does it have something in our lives that would affect us or affect anybody else. Does God really listen to prayer? Does he really do anything in response to prayer? And as we deal with those things in our lives, we, we struggle with that. And so one of the things that makes prayer difficult for us is the idea that it's hard. Prayer is one of the most difficult ministries that we have as a church. One of the most difficult things that you and I do individually as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is pray. And the reason that is is because it's spiritual warfare. See, Satan doesn't want you to pray. He, he is very glad when you choose not to pray. He's not, he doesn't want you to pray because he knows that when God's people truly believe in prayer and act in prayer and begin to move forward in the practice of prayer, that things happen upon this earth that are not true to his will, not what he wants, but what God wants in being a part of that. And so prayer is difficult. It's a struggle. All kinds of things come up. We start to pray, and our mind begins to wander to all kinds of other things that we're not talking about in prayer, but we're thinking about what we've got to do next, or this issue, or that issue, and our mind just gets consumed with all the things that are going on, and we lose our train of thought. Some of us uh, fall asleep when we're praying. We're tired. We get still for the very first time in a long time, and we're just still, and we're there in the quietness and the stillness, and all of a sudden, we wake up a little while later and wonder what it was we were doing, or what, what were we thinking about, or what were we praying about. All kinds of things happen to disturb our practice of prayer and the things that are there as we look at it and we use those. We, we don't pray sometimes because we're afraid. What if I tell God, God, I want your will to be done. I, I'm praying for the purposes and the will of God. I want God's purposes to be accomplished on this earth. I'm praying for that. God, whatever your desire is, that's what I want. Well, I don't know if I want to pray that. Because what if he wants me to do something I don't want to do? What if he leads me in a place I don't want to go? And so we don't, we don't pray it. Because if I don't ask, I don't know. 
And so we, sometimes we don't pray because we're not really ready to say to God, God, this is, my life belongs to you. I've given my heart to you. I want what you want for me more than I want anything else in my life. I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to walk the path that you've called me to walk. And we don't really mean that. And we're afraid that if we pray those words, either because we're not sincere, that we'll call down God's judgment upon ourselves by praying what we don't mean and then not following through, or we're just so afraid of what the outcome may be. What if God sends me to Africa? And so we just don't ask. We don't want to pray because we're so afraid of the will of God. We're afraid of what he might do. Some of us don't pray because we say we don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. That was part of the question that the disciples asked Jesus. I don't think it was so much that they didn't know how to pray because they, were, they had prayed. They were Jews. They had gone to the synagogue. They had grown up in, in going to worship at the temple and other places. They'd been a part of that. They probably had prayers at all the festivals and feast days of their lives and their families as it was going on. They had prayed all kinds of prayers in their life. But when they walked with Jesus Christ and they experienced the wonder of who he was and they heard him pray and it was as though he was talking very intimately with his own father and they saw the power in his prayer and the passion in his prayer and the reality of his prayer, they wanted more than just words to say. They wanted to know how to pray with a heart for the Father. They wanted to know how to pray in such a way that they could touch heaven and bring heaven down to earth. You know, as he talked about that, your will on heaven be done on earth as well as it is. They wanted to know how to do that and Jesus gave them a model of prayer he gave them an example of prayer that that we pray together each each Sunday morning here and that model was there for them to follow and to look at but not as something that was the only prayer that were to pray that it was the only words they were to say but it was a means by which they could understand that the, the significance of prayer first and foremost always starts with honoring the hallowed name of God that we ought to praise God, we ought to worship God, we ought to celebrate God, we ought to be, give God all the glory and the praise that is due His name. And that's where we should always start. That's the place of beginning as we look at it. And He made that clear and evident. And then He leads them through praying for the needs of their life and forgiving people and, and, and having the power of God and fighting against evil and the evil one and all the things that are there. And then He ends again with the glory of God, giving God praise and glory and admonition, praying all the wonder of who He is. But we say we don't know how to pray. But I, I can almost promise you and guarantee you there's not a person in here that doesn't know how to talk on the telephone, text on the telephone, tweet on the telephone. Well, I don't know how to do that. But some of us don't know how to do some of these things. But most of us know how to communicate with one another. We talk together all the time. We spend time visiting with one another all the time. We get together with each other. Some of us pray, can talk for hours and hours and hours on the telephone or by text or uh, whatever way you may do it and everything. You can just go and go and go and go and you don't even think anything about it. And then you come up to speak to God and you say, I don't know how. Or I don't know what to say. And so we don't pray. Prayer is just talking to God. That's all it is. There's not a magic formula. There's not a magic word. There's not, not some descript way that says this is the way you pray. If you pray this way, God hears you. And if you pray this way, God doesn't hear you. It's, not, it's just talking to our Father. He's our Father. If we're Christians, if we truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, He's our Father and He wants to talk to us and He wants to listen to us and He wants to speak with us in communion and fellowship. And so all prayer is is just talking to Him. Just telling him what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what you're dealing with in your life. Just sharing with him the things that are going on. Asking him. And he's not afraid of anything that you can say to him. You can't take him off guard. You can't surprise him. You can't shock him. He's not going to be so offended by something that you've done in your life and you say suddenly, I'm not worthy to pray to God. None of us are. None of us are. None of us ever will be. 
But we are made worthy to come into His presence by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's given us the right, He says, to come boldly before the throne of God because of what He's done in our lives as we look at it. And so we can talk with God, and we can speak with God, and we can know that He hears us except. The Bible says very clearly that if you and I pray, when we have known sin in our life that we've not confessed, in Psalm 116 it says, God doesn't hear the prayer when we have a sin abiding in our lives. That doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. It means that if God has pointed out by His Spirit in my life that something that I'm doing, an attitude that I possess, an action that's a part of my life, words that I've spoken, whatever it may be that has offended Him, that is not right with Him, that if I know about that in my life, I'm aware of that, He's pointed that out in my life, and I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm just going to let it abide there. I'm going to leave it there because I like it. I don't want to get rid of it. And God says, as long as I have that attitude of letting sin abide, dwell in my heart, just live there, that he's not going to listen to what I have to say. But when I confess that sin, when I give that sin to him and get cleansed from that sin, then he hears and he listens and he's a part of it, what he's talking about and what he's doing. In fact, the Bible talks about that he loves to hear his people pray. He loves for us to come to him and talk with him and be a part of that time as we look at it. There's all kinds of reasons why we don't pray. There's all kinds of things that we use as excuses as not to pray. But what God is looking for is a child of God, his own child, who will determine to love him enough to spend time with him. That's what prayer is, just spending some time with our Father, talking with him, sharing with him all the things that are in our life, rejoicing, just like you do here in the prayer time, giving him our joys, giving him our concerns, sharing the victories and the defeats, just talking to our Father about th- what's going on in our life. Just dealing with Him and the issues of everyday living and the things that are going on. Those things that I'm afraid of. Those things that I don't understand. Do I understand how prayer works? Do I know what God can do and all the things that are there? No, I don't understand how it all works and all the mechanisms of it. I just know that God has called me into a relationship with Him and He's encouraged me and taught me and even given me the command to spend time in prayer with Him. And so I need to pray. I need to get to know him. I need to understand the things that he wants me to say. One of the reasons, again, that we don't pray is because a lot of us are too lazy to study the word of God and know what it teaches us about prayer and the power of prayer and the significance of prayer and how prayer works in the coming to the understanding that we yield things unto God in order that God might take those. The Bible says in the book of Romans in chapter 8 that he's even given us the Holy Spirit to help us know how to pray, to give us the power to pray, the urgency to prayer to know even what to pray. His Spirit works in our spirit so that we might know the heart and the mind of our Father and we might be able to speak according to the plan that He has for us and be able to pray the purposes of God and the things of God as we look at it. The power of prayer is so amazing when we learn how to use it in its ministry and the things that are there. Every Christian, every genuine Christian ought to pray. And every true Christian who is right with God and walking in fellowship of God will pray. It's just a part of who we are. It's just like breathing. What we do is what we're part of. The scriptures that I read talked about that we ought to pray always, pray consistently. If we were to move over to 2 Thessalonians and read in chapter 4, it would say there, pray without ceasing. And we think, well, how can you pray without ceasing? By having a spirit that's so in tune with the living God that in everything and in all things, you're always with him doesn't mean you have to be set aside, step over here, get in a closet or whatever, and just start talking to God. It means that I have an attitude, a spirit 
that so knows my Father and so loves my Father that wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I can be in communion with Him because I desire that kind of relationship of what's going on and what's being a part of it as we look and as we see and understand the thing. The greatest power that God has given the church is prayer. It, it can change. See, prayer is one of the few things that you and I have that's not limited by boundaries. We can say COVID has stopped so many things, and we can talk about how it's kept us separated and how it limits what we can do and where we can go and what we can be a part of. Prayer can't be stopped. Not by COVID, not by anything on this earth. It can't be stopped by boundaries of other countries that say we're not Christian and we don't believe in Christians and we won't let Christians into our country. It can't stop the power of prayer to make a difference and an impact in that country. Prayer cannot be limited. Prayer cannot be stopped by anything on this earth or under this earth or above this earth because it is the very power of God himself. And he has said to us in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, he gives us a great promise there. He says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you've not known. Can you imagine that? That God himself has said to you and has said to me that if you'll call on me, I will show you things that you've never understood, things that you've never experienced before. I will reveal to you the things of God as you believe in me and call upon me, as we look and as we understand that. The book of Ephesians reminds us again that, whatever, that God is able to do so much more than we ask or imagine. That he can do more than we believe. See, for you and I, we ought not just be normal, we ought to be super normal. We ought not to be just ordinary, we ought to be extraordinary in our power before, with God because God can do anything God sets his mind to do and nothing can stop it. But we don't get tuned into it and we don't understand it because we don't spend time with him and talk with him and get to know his heart and be a part of it. This book is so full of the things that God wants us to know about him and how he wants us to respond to him as his people and what he can do in our lives and through our lives. If we just would listen and allow him to speak to us, if we'd allow the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. See, I think part of what he's talking about when he says, my house shall be a house of prayer, he's also not just talking about this building, because I believe the, that you and I as a congregation of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are always supposed to be a gathering of people who believe in prayer and practice prayer and use prayer to do the accomplishing the works of God and the things that are being a part of. It ought to be one of the things most naturally spoken of about a gathering of God's people is that they are a people of prayer. We can count on them to pray. We believe, they believe in prayer and they practice prayer. But I think it's also speaking about me because the Bible tells me that my body is the temple of the living God and this is the house of God. And so this house needs to be a house of prayer. This needs to be a place in which prayer takes place, which prayer has a priority, which prayer means something and makes a difference in what's going on and being a part of that time. S.D. Gordon said you can, do all, you can do anything after you prayed in the name of God, but you can't do anything until you prayed. We need to pray the way God wants us to pray. We need to ask God to, to give us that hunger, that desire to fellowship with him, to speak with him, to talk with him, to be able to hear what he has to say and to be a part of it. Does prayer ever always change everything? No. My circumstances may not change just because I pray, but I will. There will be a change in my life because I pray. And there will be some things that will happen because of yielding my heart and just saying, God, I want your will to be done in this situation. I, I'm seeking your heart, and I want it to be accomplished. And God will move according to his plan and according to his purpose. And he, we can trust that his plan is always going to be better than our plan. His purpose is always greater than our purpose. What God desires will always be the right thing if we could just learn how to trust him. His timing and our timing 
not usually on together. What I, when I ask God for something, I want it now. I really don't want to wait till later. I don't want to wait later in the day or later in the week or any other. When I'm asking God for something, I really want it now. God doesn't always do it now. But he always does it at the right time. At the right time. In the circumstances of what's going on, in the significance of all that's there, because I don't have the vision God has. I can't see the total picture that God sees. And for what seems like this is imperative in this very moment that this take place may not even be significant at all in comparison to the vision that God has and the relationship and what's going on. And at the very right time, in the very right way, in the very proper manner in which God works and moves in the lives of his people, he will do what is necessary to be done to bring glory to himself, benefit to his people, and the accomplishment of his purposes. Do I believe that? Can I trust that? Will I give that to him? That's what it means to be able to believe in prayer and trust in prayer and to offer myself to him in prayer that I long for God's will to be done. I want God's purposes to be done. I want it to start with me, but I want it to be done in my family. I want it to be done in my church. I want it to be done in my community. I want it to be done in my world. I want the purposes of God to be lifted up and accomplished because his purposes are so far above and better than any purpose that's ever been designed by any person that ever lived upon the face of this earth besides the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's his purpose. And So I want to pray. I want to understand. I want to ask God to do what God wants to do in order that the right things can be done in my life and in the lives of his people, in the church, in the world in which I live as we look and understand the things that are going on. Prayer is not magic. We shouldn't believe that, there's, that because I pray or because I believe in prayer that that somehow puts God in obligation to me. Nothing you can do, nothing I can do ever makes God obligated. He never owes us anything. It's not our belief, our faith in prayer that matters. It's our understanding, our awareness that prayer is the means by which God works through his people. Our faith is in God, in the power of God, and the work of God. We pray because God has given that tool, that instrument, that ministry to us, and through which that means can be the way he works in our lives and through our lives to touch the lives of other people in the world in which we live. But it's not prayer that our faith in. It's not prayer that we worship. It's not prayer that we should set up on some high standard and say prayer is the key to everything. It's God. But it's prayer that he has chosen to use as the, as the tool, the instrument, the means by which he will come through our lives and touch our lives. And so we ought to pray because he teaches us to pray, but our faith isn't in the prayer. Our faith is in the God who gives the power to the prayer, who works the prayer, who is the one our faith should be in in all means, in all circumstances as we look at it and as we understand. And so we pray through our Father. We pray to God. And it's through God that the things are accomplished. It's through God that the ministries are done. It's through God that lives are changed, that healing comes, whether it's through medicine or through miraculous, whatever it may be. God is the one is over all things. And we pray to Him. We seek Him. We want to know His heart. He tells us over and over again, if you will come to me, if you'll seek after me, if you'll search me with all your heart, you'll find me. I'm not hiding from you. I'm not trying to keep myself from you. But you have to want to be with me. You have to have a desire to meet with me, to know me. And I will reveal myself to you and show you all these great things that you need to know. Prayer. 
And I, I certainly don't stand here because I am a master of prayer and because there's, I'm a great and mighty prayer warrior. I'm learning and I'm struggling and trying. God, I want to know how to pray. Like the disciples, I've asked him many times to teach me how to pray. But not the words. I'm not longing for the words. I don't have trouble finding words, obviously. But do I have a heart for prayer? Do I have an attitude for prayer that God can honor and that God can use and that God can move through my life to make a difference in someone else's life, my life to even make a difference in my own life? whatever it may be. I want God to teach me how to pray in the manner in which he prayed, in the attitude in which he prayed, in the faith with which he prayed, in the intimacy of love for his Father in which he prayed. I want to know the Father's heart and speak that into being, which is the gift he's given all of us. Is if we know his heart, if we know his purpose, if we know his will, what did he say? Whatsoever you shall ask, in my name, according to my will, that will I do. That's not a blank check that I can just say, God, anything I want, I can have, because I asked that in your name. Oh, there's so much of that, and we don't even begin to have time to think about what it means to pray in the name of Jesus and, and things, but it is according to his will and according to the power of his name that he promises that he will do the mighty things that have changed our world over and over and over again, that have crossed boundaries and solved wars, that have brought peace, that have brought people to Christ, that have done amazing and miraculous things by the power of a person of God, a child of God, just simply saying to their father, I want to spend time with you. I want to talk with you. And for me, the hardest part of that is being quiet long enough to listen to him give me an answer. It's easy to tell him everything I want. It's easy to pour out all my problems. But sometimes it's not as easy to sit there and wait for an answer. And that answer may not come that day or when I want it. But to listen, to listen. You know, sometimes you and I have the same problem with each other. We don't listen well. We're good at telling each other everything we want each other to hear, but we're not very good at being quiet and listening to what might be the response, what might need to be said to us. Not everybody comes to us looking for an answer, but rather listening, looking for a heart that cares enough to hear them. And say, you matter to me. And my time is your time. And I don't have to give you an answer. I don't have to give you my opinion. I just want you to know I'm listening. See, that's how God is. He's always ready to listen. He always has time to hear. He's always ready to open up his heart to you and accept all that you are. You'll give it to him. And he's ready to pour himself out to you in the fullness of who he is if you're willing to receive it. But it takes communication. It takes prayer. It takes time spent with our Father. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we join together in worship once again with the privilege and the honor to be able to sing praises to you, to pray together, to share communion with one another, 
Father, to just be able to be together as a people of God. What an honor and privilege that is that you've given to us as you've called us your children, your church, the people of the very living God. And Father, I pray this morning that you would continue to work in my mind, in my heart, in my very being to help me understand and prayer better and to practice it more and to believe in it with faith that it can make an impact, that it can make a difference. Father, I pray today that you would help us as a body of believers to realize that that we have been called together individually, first of all, to be houses of prayer, but collectively as well, to be a house of prayer, to be a people of prayer, people who believe and practice prayer, who make a difference in the community in which we live by the power of prayer that we believe in and that we release your power, we release all that you are in this world by just releasing ourselves for you to work through us so often. The answers of prayer come through your work in our lives. We become your hands. We become your feet. We become your mouth. We become the instrument through whom you choose to bring ministry, through whom you choose to do the work of God, through whom you choose to bring about those things that we've been praying for. And so we have to be ready not only to pray, but to become the instruments through whom those prayers can come to pass as you pour out your power through us. It's always you. It's always about you but you choose for some reason to work through us. Father, help us to be a people of prayer. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.